0: Apparently one day one of them broke open and caught on fire and there is a burning ball of goo in his studio. So he's like, he calls the fire department to have them come and to, do, to take care of it. They can't put the fire out of this goo. He's like, yeah, man, I, uh, these firemen had no idea what the hell they were doing with this big ball of goo on fire here. <laughs> so, you know, they had, no, they had no clue. They'd never seen anything like this in their lives. <laughs> And he's like, I I got a solution for this here. And he tells me, the way he solved the problem was he took a bunch of fire extinguishers and just, like, froze the goo with the fire extinguishers to stop the fire. And then, like... I found out that is the exact ending to the movie The Blob. <laughs> that, is I- <laughs> that is exactly how they stopped The Blob in that movie. They took a bunch of fire extinguishers and froze The Blob, and they shipped it to Antarctica. <laughs> That's-
1: Welcome to The Blackout Diaries, the show where stand-up comics, plus everyday people, tell true drinking stories. I'm your host, Sean Bear
2: flannery And I'm CJ Sullivan, and each week here on The Blackout Diaries, we have a different theme when it comes to the debauchery and fun that drinking brings you into, and today is liars. Fun liars. Oh, though.
1: my. I love, I love listening to liars yep, at bars. Absolutely. And liars at parties. Maybe my favorite person to interact with when I'm drinking is a
2: liar, (laughs) and it's kind of a lost art. We were talking about this before at the bar. A liar because of everyone's got a everyone's got a a a Debbie Downer, annoying nerd research computer in their pockets. (laughs) You know, like wait a minute, that's not true, and they look it they look it up for you. Well, okay, great. Do you want to do you want to know the facts or do you want to hear a fun story? (laughs) You know.
1: Yeah, so we're we're kind of in the dark ages of lying now, Um, but uh, like a lot of stories we're going to hear today are stories that are a little bit older, you know, like the golden age of lying, you know, when people used to be able to get away with that more, you know?
2: And uh, we come up with, you obviously came up with ungoogleable things today now, things we try to come up with stuff that you can't look up, you know, but but Mm -hmm. back then, some of the stalwarts we say uh, of liars would... uh, Native American, people always say they were part, some kind of Native American. Yes. Or uh, Golden Gloves Boxing was always one that people like to say they were Golden Gloves. Boxing
1: just attracts liars. Right. You know? it, <laughs> well, and I think it's because maybe they want to show power, like I could hurt mm-hmm. you or sure. if I had to, you, you know, but yeah, uh, that's a big one. That's and it's hilarious. always it's always one.
2: like a dark time, not a dark time, like a secret time in someone's life. Yeah, I used to box like back then, like before you even knew me, you know, <laughs> You come up with my <laughs> box. My dad famously uh would always a uh, big story embellisher you know characters embellisher and uh, mm-hmm. we would call him that top side. he he claimed <clears throat> he used to always claim that he because he boxed in the army of course okay. and, you know and he bought and he said he boxed uh, and he said he knocked down Joe Lewis's cousin the famous <laughs> <laughs> That's a great yeah, one. I think it might have even started with Joe Lewis. We're like, no way. Like, ah, his, co- his cousin. His cousin. He's he, <laughs> he, the greatest sponsor. Who was famously in the Army and like, what's an, it over-the-war, yeah. you know, like in an exhibition. Yeah. So then he, then he brought it to his cousin. We're like, even then, fuck, no way. I don't care if it was Joe <laughs> Lewis's cousin. You still didn't knock him down. And, it, yeah. and So then he sacrificed. What? He was fast. He was fast. But once I, once I got his timing down, I, I, I caught him. I caught him with the one, and, you know, he, he got back up. He was good. He was good. Honestly, he wasn't good. (laughs) You know, he just had to catch that one shot
1: (laughs) I love... Liars like that, and you know, like a lot of times, I, I love how they always start their stories. Like they, mm. they're always like, "Oh, you didn't know that about me," right. you know, which <laughs> they're making it up for the first time. But they're always, they're always surprised, and I don't, maybe they're actually surprised I haven't told you this lie yet. But yeah,
2: they're always I like, didn't, "You didn't know that about I me." I didn't, I didn't tell you that time where Mick Jagger was on my flight, and I sat next to him, and <laughs> yeah. I told him about uh, Ruby Tuesday. Oh, huh. okay, all right, well, yeah, when you hear this, <laughs> stop, <laughs> stop me when you heard this
1: yeah i have a uh, i have an uncle who claims that he he might be the reason that Bob Dylan win
2: election' he was that's <laughs> why i love that lies too always like yeah. always like that huge perplexing moment in someone's career. oh yeah i'm the reason why <laughs> they <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> i am the reason why Pepsi changed their formula or Coke changed their formula like yeah. something like something like legendary that goes through yeah, a huge <laughs> change yeah so Bob Dylan shocked everyone and went electric. How did, how did he do that?
1: Uh, he was playing at a coffee house in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh-huh. Uh, just The whole band was supposed to be there, but he was alone. He was playing electric alone. He was playing folk songs, and he claims Dylan was there, shook his hand, told him he had talent, and then left. Oh, your and uncle was you know, playing? He was playing electric.
2: Oh, I see. And my uncle was playing. So he stole it yeah. from him, basically.
1: That's, that's <laughs> what my uncle wanted us to uh, conclude.
2: Yeah. Instead of inspired, he flat out ripped them off. <laughs> <laughs> but thank God he did, because he changed music changed what uh, of changed music forever. <laughs> Actually speaking of
1: liars, that documentary that Scorsese did uh for Dylan's tour, which mm-hmm. I think um it's about the Rolling Thunder tour. Yes. And I can't remember the name of the documentary, but that's hilarious because it's all lies.
2: Like and Scorsese
1: <laughs> right. was just thought it was hilarious. But like so these people that you're that he's interviewing. Are all lies. like Sharon Stone is way and some of it doesn't even make mathematical sense. Yeah. Sharon Stone claims she was a groupie, impossible. Sharon, Sto- Sharon
2: Stone is an underrated compulsive liar. Like some of her stories <laughs> are fucking amazing lies. She's she flies under the radar because we just let her go because she's Sharon yeah. Stone. But when you when people actually yeah. fact check her, like she makes lies like they're easily provable too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I love that about Dylan that they're like, well, Sharon Stone, right? Uh, wants to be honest. She says she's a groupie. Uh, we know it's mathematically not possible. And Dylan's like, <laughs> I love it. But yeah. You know, he had this uh, they inter- they keep interviewing this photographer who claims he introduced how Americans hold uh, cigarettes uh-huh. in the documentary oh, that oh am- he changed how Americans hold cigarettes. Right. Uh, it turns out this guy. Was never part of the tour. He's <laughs> just <laughs> lying. It's like the whole documentary is liars. It's great.
2: Oh, it's so funny. Sharon Stone like recently. I, I remember one time. I don't know the Larry Sanders DVD. Mm-hmm. She's like getting interviewed, and like Gary Shandling like does interviews with like certain people, and there's she's like in it. A one season in order to date him. She's like, "Yeah, I remember when we used to write those bits together in that apartment." It's like, "What?" He's like, "We would write the, we would write all these scenes." Like, uh, "Okay, I don't remember that part, but okay, I <laughs> just to go, let to go along with the, I'm Glad you're doing this interview. So, yeah. oh yeah, no, I remember we, we we would do that all the time, you know. And then then she, recently she just came out and said uh, that famous scene. Like in Basic Instinct, where she shows where she shows her across uh, her legs or whatever, she said she did, yeah. she didn't know that was like happening or something, you know. Which is like you know, just...
1: yeah. She claims that uh, Verhoeven, the director, misled
2: her, right? And the director's like, we had to go through so many channels with her agents and that. Like, there was like, like, <laughs> was, like there was like four months in the making that shot. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> Like, that didn't just happen. Well, a yeah, wind, okay, but.
1: so that's interesting. If Verhoeven's saying that, then maybe I believe him. Uh because I originally I believed her, because there are there are like some famous examples of directors just lying. But yeah. like there's a great there's a great story about Kubrick and um Well
2: that I believe. Kubrick's a scumbag.
1: Um <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> Kubrick was an asshole. But there's a great story about um George F. Scott uh-huh. and um uh Adam Dr. strange Dr. Strange. So, you know, he plays a really over-the-top general, but yeah. he was trying to play it straight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Kubrick is famous for making, like, all his actors do, like, 5,000 unnecessary takes. And you just keep doing it and keep doing it and keep yes. doing it. And he kept trying to get, like, um, uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald. Why well, I keep saying F. Scott Fitzgerald. <laughs> George C. Um, Scott. Uh, George C. Scott. Just call him, uh, just call
2: him Patton. Gen-
0: yeah. General Patton.
1: He's <laughs> trying to get Patton to be more over-the-top. And, um, uh, Scott's like, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that. It doesn't make sense for the character. Yeah. He's like, okay, I tell you what, <laughs> I'm gonna take the film out of the camera and just. You know, for giggles, right? Let's see what it would yeah. look like. And he's like, "Oh, you, you, you've taken it out of all these cameras." He goes, "I have, George." You
2: know, it's just so lying. funny. <laughs> and, you know, and,
1: but it's kind of like, "Well, fuck you, George, for believing I know. that he would do that." And
2: that's you know? that's, and yeah, Kubrick's right with that. These actors are dumb sheep. You just have to tell them <laughs> what they want to hear <laughs> and so they'll listen. There's there's nothing
1: in all these cameras. I'm going to keep all the professional lighting going. I'm going to keep the sound people. Right. In- Exactly where they are. I'm going to keep everyone still on set.
2: Yeah, but- crew, crew, you're on the clock still. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's amazing. Anyway, <laughs> well, on today's show we're going to talk. We're going to whatever. We have a comedian, Joe McAdam. Tells oh, great- one of our favorites. Old
1: buddy from Chicago.
2: Yeah, old buddy from Chicago. He's out here now and now, and he, but he tells an old set we got of his where he talks about a fantastic liar that we all know. Um, all mm-hmm. new in Chicago Who's recently passed But Of uh, uh, Daniel But one of those legendary t- Tall tale tellers At, the, at a, one of our favorite bars The Hideout Out there And uh, Joe McAdam documents So without further brew Let's hear J- Joe McAdam Talk about a
0: liar Oh hey guys um, So yeah I don't have my own uh, Drinking story To tell um, I I do drink, but it's, uh, all my stories are, like, really boring. It's just like, I his friend took a shit on a golf course, and then that was it. Like, that's as much as has happened. Uh, (laughs) I, um, I like this, uh, this old dude that used to hang out at the hideout. Um, we know that bar, right? Yeah. Yeah, that is, uh, that is such a great bar, especially because, uh, this old dude named Dan Blue would hang out there, uh who was just this old, like, old liar, I think is the <laughs> All he would do is just get super wasted off of like, he would drink like old man drinks. He would drink something called a wooden leg, which <laughs> I don't think that is a real drink. It's like a rusty nail or a salty dog or something. Only old men drink shit like that. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no panty droppers for old Blue. That is not, <laughs> not happening for Blue. Um, so I used to I I, uh, I like run a comedy show over at the Hideout. So I'd run to him monthly. We would uh, and we would always hang out. And uh, he would sit at the end of the bar. He kind of reminds me of like um, that Sam Elliott character from Lebowski, you know, where he's like old and just grizzled and just talks all night. He was like less flashy. Like he didn't have a cowboy hat and a big stupid mustache or anything. Yeah. He was just like he had this like old man grizzled voice, you know, and he would just tell like these ridiculous stories. Um, you could never tell what was true or what was fake. That was the best part about it. Like that's that's how you can tell someone is a really good storyteller. You have no idea. It's like completely blurring the line. Like for one thing, he claimed that he had, I've, I think I've heard two different stories on this. He either found or inherited $27 million. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I bet neither. I don't know though. <laughs> I would bet neither. But that's the thing is you couldn't tell if that was true or not because uh, he actually recently died uh, in January, and after he died, a bunch of people were telling stories about him, and they're like, "Yeah, I was in a tight spot, and Blue gave me five grand." Like, how the how how deep is your story? Like, how do you <laughs> how did you set this up to be like that? So he might have been a millionaire. I'm not positive, uh, but he was definitely uh, he was this old artist. He would do like steel uh, sculptures. Um, so one of his stories was about. He, he built this, like, maybe, like, 15-foot-tall, like, St. Peter sculpture for a church or something. Um, and he let his buddy deliver it to the church. And uh, and he, le- he let his buddy borrow his truck to bring it. And also, he, like, wrapped it up in all of his old, you know, blankets and stuff to, for his buddy to bring there. Uh, so his buddy is, like driving it over there, smoking a cigarette while he's doing it, flicks it out the back and just lights up a 15-foot-tall statue of St. Peter barreling down the street with a giant flaming St. Peter in the back of his truck. Like, that, I, they, they, there should be a news article <laughs> if that had actually happened. And he didn't give a shit. He was, he was really pissed about the blankets. He's like, this guy ruined my goddamn good new blankets. He's like, fucked up all my blankets. <laughs> He had uh, this. <laughs> he had this other story. He had an. Uh, the reason he always hung out at the hideout was because he had an art studio like across the street. It's like a big warehouse district kind of place. He uh, he owned one of the studios there. It's this massive place where he makes little sculptures. Uh, and he uses like I don't know anything about sculpting. He has like big barrels of resin to like cure the sculptures. I guess. Uh, I don't know anything about that. But he apparently one day one of them broke open and caught on fire and there is a burning ball of goo in his studio, just engulfing the entire thing, just a barrel of goo everywhere. So he's like, he calls the fire department to have them come and to, do, to take care of it. They can't put the fire out of this goo. There's no stopping this goo fire. Uh, so he's like, he's like, yeah, man, I... Uh, these firemen had no idea what the hell they were doing with this big ball of goo on fire here. <laughs> so, you know, they had no, they had no clue. They'd never seen anything like this in their lives. <laughs> and he was like, I, I, got a, I got a solution for this here. Uh, and he tells me, the way he solved the problem was he took uh, a, like a, a bunch of fire extinguishers and just like froze the goo with the fire extinguishers to stop the fire. And I was like, That's, well, that, that seems about like it would work, right? And then, like, I found out that is the exact ending to the movie The Blob. <laughs> that, is ex- <laughs> that is exactly how they stopped The Blob in that movie. <laughs> they took a bunch of fire extinguishers and froze The Blob, and they shipped it to Antarctica. <laughs> that's, that's clearly horse shit. <laughs> I don't know. He was, he was one of the best people I know. Uh, if, if you can call somebody a friend that... Is like 30 years your senior, and you've talked to them about eight times, and they've been blackout drunk every single time. <laughs> Blue is a friend. Uh, that's exactly who it was. So uh, yeah, that's it for uh, that's it for me. Thanks a lot, guys.
2: And we're back in the blackout Diaries. That was hilarious. show <laughs> Joe McAdam with a great set about legendary liar Dan
0: Blue. <laughs> Of Hideout. Now we have Joe McCann
2: here. Joe, th- first of all, thank you for joining us here in the black Eyes podcast. Thanks so much
0: for having me. Um, yes, the Legendary Liars already. That was not a great set. I don't remember that being that great. It was... It was, was like a... was, it,
2: was, it was hilarious it had a good reveal there the blob movie title was the blob movie, it, uh, a, the blob movie it, plot i mean did you go yeah did and you, you go, were making uh shot <laughs> i was just
1: gonna say you were definitely making the back of the room laugh really hard i think it was i think it was just an ethical difference in just how much comics love and celebrate liars versus <laughs> the crowd is like
2: this man is deranged. oh yeah no, it,
0: it was a uh he's a real wellspring of just like great tall tales uh
2: did you uh, did you were you watching the blob like later on and where it popped up like wait a minute like a Kaiser Sose moment <laughs> when you like started putting oh things together? Oh my god! I need to go back. I need to I need to
0: re listen to the set. Watch the blob. I got a obituary. I, I got to do all this stuff.
2: Well, he he basically said at the end like he would use fire hydrants and they froze this you know fl- thing and then just shipped it off to Alaska to blow it up. Then you realized you watched the blob later on. Like, wait, a minute, that's
0: exactly how this movie ended.
2: <laughs> so there's no way this actually happened in real the life. Beat for
0: beat ending of the blob, all right, all right <laughs>
2: <laughs> he was quite a character. We all knew him there, and uh even now we were just looking back at some of his obituaries, and there's pictures of him still at that bar, like you can't have a picture of him without you can't have a picture of that bar without him they're and very, yeah, first. they're
0: t- and totally tied together. I think every time I was there, I saw him there, um but whenever I was there, like you know daytime or when it was like very mellow mm-hmm. he'd always just be hanging out having a cigarette and would talk um you know for at least an hour on end about his former lives, his jobs, things that he's done, all that stuff.
2: Yeah. That bar itself leads, I think, Characters like that because of the hideout. If you don't know, in Chicago, is it still there? Yeah, I know? we should
1: paint a picture. Uh, I think it actually just—they just announced they're gonna oh, close no. okay. um, very recently.
2: That's 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 yeah. unfortunate because it's it's a great hipster bar, but it's like in this like Bermuda Triangle area. Like you're trying to like if you, you if you try to put it in a GPS and an Uber, like they don't even they, they don't even do door to door. Like listen, it's tell me to go down here. I'm not going down there. And if you want, you just see like pipes coming up. You know, there's a like weird factories and shit, and it's just in the middle of like it's it's in the, I mean, it's in a city it's not like it's out in the, anywhere you're off a of main but you go off a of main street and all of a sudden you're walking like where what the hell just happened now like where am I at it's like there's this steam coming out and like this weird Oh yeah pipes. you got to want to be and there then,
0: and also it doesn't look like a bar it looks like a house with a porch it's right. uh, it, it's <laughs> yeah. nothing about it is a regular bar it's great
2: Yeah i mean it's a hideout for sure
0: <laughs>
1: Yeah and i remember um Every Like, they didn't do comedy as often as some of the other places, but every time I was there, I ran into this guy. I didn't know his name was Blue at the time, mm-hmm. but he would talk my ear off, too. And he would buy you beers if you were listening to his stories. Like, he would just – yes. like, rounds were always on him, and it was crazy. He would go from everything from – I was a hitman from the CIA to, I think, you know, he would claim to be a world-class hacker, like all – just like old school karate lies, you know, like it was really <laughs> right. funny. Yeah, you know? classic.
0: Like I got kicked out of my last school for beating up the vice principal, kind of stuff. Uh, he's, yeah, but as a fifty-year-old man, it's great.
1: What are some of like the past occupations that you remember him so, talking about? Well, the about, one that Joe? was real
0: was sculptor, and that I didn't, I didn't know to mm. believe it or not yeah. because it, it does right. seem like a tall tale too. But the other one was bounty hunter, and he had he had bounty yes. hunter stories. And
2: and this is before, like, Dog the Bounty Hunter was a thing. This is before it became, like, yeah. mainstream where people could actually put that together. Besides, like before that, it was just Yeah, Boba we Fett, only really. had that. It was, the only, yeah. it was the only bounty hunter that we had in terms. And, and uh, so Blue would pick this up. Yeah, he was Midwest
0: up. Boba Fett. He, he, he said, <laughs> okay, so he had, like, stories that would be like, yeah, I had to go down to Mexico in a single-engine Cessna. Yeah, all I had on me was a, a 12 case of Coronas. And uh, I sat down at the table with this guy, brought him in with, without having to, you know, harm my hair on his head. That like that kind of story, like he's just this suave no. negotiator that can <laughs> solve any problem. Uh,
2: he coaxed a criminal to come back to, a, to, be, to an extra to into America with a six pack of Coronas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sixer, because we're splitting this, buddy, but come on in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was good for that, for buying drinks for sure and like things like that. and, and like he. And, but that was, I think that was his... Like, he knew that he was going to give you a story that he liked to talk, so he would grease you up by buying you drinks and say, well, you can't complain too
0: much because I'm Yeah, of, you he'd know. provide...
2: He he was a groomer for alcoholics like us, if you will. He set me back, uh,
0: yeah, developmentally, I'm sure, uh, ways. Uh, Right, he he would he would smoke uh, the yellow American spirits, and then his cocktail would always be, um, God, it was a a rusty nail, I want to say, like Mm, some shit that I've never ordered this in my life
1: <laughs> that's hilarious
2: yeah i think he
0: said
1: and we
2: would usually be talking
1: outside yeah. in the hot sun and he's drinking rusty nails while just right. lying
2: i think he even had a joke in there like a wooden leg like drink drinks that make no. no sense like old man drinks that you never even heard before yeah salty dog <laughs> stuff
0: like that we're just like what the all right is this <laughs>
2: Yeah, he was amazing. He would talk about like he pointed, out, yeah, you see, he goes on in there. They're they're processing people over there. I'm like what? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> He's like, yeah, they don't watch in there. But like, yeah, no, no shit. Yeah, he would lie yes. about
1: the buildings. Right. He would always call it, claim. That either he was involved in a secret government conspiracy, or a neighboring building was, or he, the government was always part of his. Yeah,
2: life. like he acted like he was out over at the bar on his lunch break from the working the government <laughs> conspiracy <laughs> job from across the way. Like, well, I gotta head back to the plant now. We're killing. We're eating. We're, di- we're digesting just people. A, yeah, to, a ham and uh, egg from
0: the, uh, the uh, cars run. group. Just like <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right, there's the
0: whistle. I gotta get out of here.
2: <laughs> but you're right. He was an actual sculptor and an artist and he did have money. So like like any good liar, you have to piece in like about fifteen, twenty percent truth in there just to keep, you know, to keep mm-hmm. the ball rolling. You can't just hundred percent bullshit, so you don't know which is which. What was the what was the hacking story he told you, Sean?
1: I think he told me um that he hacked into and he was hired by somebody mm-hmm. who and he hacked into NSA. NSA. And like you know when people you know i'm he knew i was a comedian right. and people nobody assumes when you're a comedian that you know my day job is security software uh-huh. and I was just like you know wow that's pretty impressive he's yeah. like you better believe it buddy you know do you know who they are and I'm like I do you know and uh, it's really it's really difficult to right. have there. even to just even to just interface with their network is pretty difficult <laughs> let alone penetrate it
2: I think did you um, say back then he'd be one of the top 10 greatest he would be
1: yeah he would be one of the the 10 greatest computer minds of all time <laughs> if he actually pulled that off you
0: know? could have been mr robot yeah, yeah just that's a hit. the guy yeah yeah cia hitman
2: dan blue i forget the- if i
0: <laughs> i mentioned it in the set but did did you guys hear his story about how he became a rich guy no he told no. me that he found a box of 2.3 million dollars in his backyard <laughs> <laughs> that's just great the biggest like what little kid lie right uh, <laughs> that's awesome
1: I mean, there's kind of almost a beautiful artistic. Here's a guy who's a self-made sculptor. Mm-hmm. Do you know how hard it is to be? He's a successful sculptor. Like, like obituaries were were um printed in several newspapers when this dude died. Yeah. And rather than rather than brag <laughs> that you've made a go at sculpting mm-hmm. and been able to afford this great life, you say you found <laughs> 2.3 million in your
2: backyard. Just buried. Just dug it up. Yeah, huh? he just dug it up.
0: Uh, <laughs> Just uh, you know, farting around <laughs> back there, dug up two point three mil. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> now, Joe, y- you share our love of this guy. What? What? Do you remember what other people's reactions were uh, at the bar, or was, or did you mostly just have one-on-one conversations with? I uh, I very Lou. much
0: gravitate towards old men and uh, being patient <laughs> with old men. <laughs> so, I, yeah. I and I, he wasn't even that old. I think, he, and when I was like. he passed away at age 55 is what i think i just read so he but he just presented Mm -hmm. old you know what i mean like he just had that kind of a vibe yeah ordering like yeah salty dogs or whatever the hell and telling tall tales just great old man stuff um
2: he was my one of my favorite kind of artists like that would like build things like, you know, like the fucking like would use like nuts and bolts yeah. and like, you know, like he was, yeah. he was like he was like a me- if a mechanic was an artist, you know what I
0: mean? Yeah, he did a lot of like metal. <laughs> like yeah. whole,
2: he always had grease on him and shit, oh, he, you know. He, another one
0: of his stories he told me <laughs> was about he's transporting one of his sculptures to a friend. And I don't remember how they finish it or what they do to it, but it, it, it like caught fire in the back of his truck. So he just had like a sculpture Mm -hmm. on, like blazing fire, driving down the freeway, uh, in the back of his truck. He, yeah, like, (laughs) I don't, yeah, I don't even remember. Like, (laughs) this is so long ago, and I I don't remember all the details. But like that one, like that one's probably true. I don't know, but that one could very well be true. (laughs) It makes more sense than Bounty Hunter. But
2: oh, this is a story I remember him telling. Actually, when he when he had the, he said he had the FBI come at us for because he set off, like, a UFO uh, warning. He was, like, flying a kite, and he attached, like, these flashlights to it. How does that work? (laughs) It was, like, some kind of experiment. Hold on. I need some of this concoction. It was a foggy night. He attached a flare that burned for 20 minutes to kite string and sailed up high over the head. Suddenly, every path in the area had beams of flashlights. And a friend of mine had his Russian wolfhound with us. The police received 50 UFO reports as part of a parade of flashlights. And they they encountered the Russian wolfhound. I'm glad they
0: kept the detail of the breed of dog, because it is a funny breed.
2: Right. Well, they said when they encountered the Russian wolfhound, they convinced they had found the aliens. (laughs) And Dan had to tell the Dan had to promise never to do any kite experiments with them again.
0: <laughs> Did you guys ever get him <laughs> on the uh, on the live show uh, at all? No, I don't know. I don't he think he was, ever got to that um,
2: back performing room yeah. period. <laughs> to hide out. Yeah. you know what I mean? Like he never got past that he bar first stool. chair.
0: He went to the front porch yeah, only. He, he was right. at the first chair by the door every time, and I don't, I never saw him past that.
2: That's our fault for not bringing the microphone yeah, to none. him, you know, and record and <laughs> recording <laughs> something. You don't put that man on stage. You bring the stage to people like that. De- Absolutely. De- <laughs> yeah, but I I
1: love uh liars like that. Mm-hmm. Like we used to um Go to this bar in Bridgeport that had, like, these these hilarious liars. Remember that dude that worked on Bernie Bryce's uh, house, CJ? Did you ever hear some of the lies yes, of that dude? for sure. But he claimed, um, like, one of his famous lies that was hilarious is he claimed – so he would have real quick ones that he would say parenthetically while telling a bigger lie. Like, one time while he was telling a bigger lie, he said that um, – who is that famous um, Blackhawks player in the 60s that they won all the championships with, um, with the blonde hair, CJ? Stan um, Nikito. Chicago Black. What?
0: Stan No, or
1: maybe it's more. Bobby Hall. Isn't Hull. that his name? Yes, yeah. Bobby, Bobby Hall. He, he claimed uh, he once beat up Bobby Hall, and Bobby Hall uh, thanked him and told him he was the toughest awesome. guy he ever met.
2: <laughs> <laughs> thanked him. Shook his head. I love those. Party hands <laughs> I love those gentlemanly lies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I think he thought of it within this larger lie because he knew it ends with that but he claimed he outran uh, a montana trooper Mm -hmm. and then they had the helicopter following him and he outran the helicopter and then he got into idaho and at idaho there was a whole convoy waiting for him where the roads blocked out and he gets out and he's like what's the charge and they all go we just want (laughs) to shake your hand you outran a helicopter
2: (laughs) You are free to go. (laughs) That's
0: amazing. That's perfect.
2: I like when you call out someone on the, on the line, and they they have to like they, they that's them bringing it back a little bit. Hey, he thanked me for before, said, "Listen, you're a tough son of a bitch. <laughs> I've met a lot of them, and you and you're and you're one of them. But it was it was game, respect, game kind of a thing, you know? But
0: I I I, mean, I caught him a little bit. Every story ends with yeah, just getting congratulated, uh, complimented. Uh, yeah. and then they gave me a present. Uh, it was very sweet of the right, police department. Exactly."
1: <laughs> yeah. Or you know who actually does a version of that is Trump does that where he always claims people are crying to him. Yeah. Where there's like, I don't know if like when when he was indicted for that New York charge, he goes, oh, you know who I felt bad for is when I walked in, there was 12 policemen openly weeping because they were so sad. I was like, there's no fucking way yeah. a New York City That's <laughs> cop <so funny>. is. <laughs> is weeping you know over a, a criminal being or
2: anyone being processed
0: yeah, yeah he's one of the last great that, tall tale guys uh yeah, yeah, yeah he is
2: because no one checks him on it because because he's in a position where no one checks him on because we were like all right we some and so that's one of those classic we just got to put up with this it's what he it's what he oh, gets yeah, out of this it would be exhausting <laughs> that's the that's
0: the the strategy of the the tall tale artist is that you just do so much right. you just can't be who could ever keep track of this stuff mm-hmm. and why would it be worth your time? It's a pain in the ass to do, forget it, you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and there's like no real, like the thing that I think some people never learn about Trump, there's no real conclusion to yeah. proving them wrong. Mm-hmm. Because like if you actually do the research and confront them, they'll either deny they said it or they they won't yeah. care. You know, like right. it, it's not gonna, it, they're not gonna uh, apologize.
2: And usually they're kind of right. Like, well, what do you want to hear during the moment? You know what I mean? Like, great. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to tell a story over
0: here, pal. Yeah, are well, you gonna be an annoying nerd about this and like?
2: I know what the no- fuck here. Warning. Right? We're we're all we're all having fun. <laughs> we're all
0: laughing. This is a great show. What do you want from me? R- right. <laughs> It was
2: a show. Now,
1: have you met – you've probably – I can't imagine you've ever met a liar that even approaches Blue in terms of how tall these tails are. What uh, Does anything jump out out in L.A. since you moved out there, like a, like a great bar for liars out there or any uh, funny liars that you – Anyway, is there any way to get this fixed I over wish. in L.A.?
0: There's certain things you just can't get in Los Angeles that you get in Chicago. Yeah. Um, Even, like, I I was just talking about this last night with somebody uh, that we don't get fistfights uh, out here either. And that's a shame. But, uh, you know, like, you just don't see that. Uh, There's... There's different kind of tall tale guys, I guess, but I don't, I, I, just don't run into them nearly as often. It's not as much of a in town. Yeah, they
2: don't really tell tall tales out here like that, like for the, the spinning a yarn. It's kind of like live the lie more. It's more like, like, you know, they can. Everyone lives the lie, so no one calls each other out on it. You know what I mean? Of that they're just doing well in yeah. general, <laughs> like, like overall, <laughs> you know. So it's kind of like uh, we have a don't ask, don't tell situation. Of uh, they are, it is weird about our whole existence.
1: There's so many people I would like people in L.A. would describe their life to me at bars. And they'd be like, I'm like, how long of a commute is that? They're like, well, it's 90 minutes both ways. I'm like, isn't that <laughs> atrocious? Like, you know, you you, uh, you get a comfortable car, right. and you find some podcasts you like and, uh, you know, you're happy. I'm like, you're happy. Doing that, I mean, you know? I
2: say this on a podcast, but that we are doing. But like when you hear, like wow, well, sometimes you think, like, how could there be so many podcasts and unlimited podcasts? Because I think eighty five percent of them are listened to by people in LA go, commuting to work. That's it, because that's all they do. It's like ah, just burn through podcasts. That's yeah. it. You know, that's how I get through every two hours each way. Like Jesus Christ. Yeah,
0: no, no time for <laughs> sitting at the like bar and lying all night after after your commute. You got
2: to get no energy. Yeah. Like you said, it's kind of a shame. Can't punch someone in the face, get punched in the face, <laughs> and lie about being a CIA hitman anymore. What kind of town? What kind of town is this?
0: Yeah, I mean, I've never seen anybody in LA like break out all the windows at a bar uh, because the somebody insulted Bridgeport. You know what I mean? Like that kind of shit. No, doesn't No, yeah, there's
2: none of that. Right cause you know they have to drive you have to go to you have to go you have to go search for that stuff you know I mean? that's the thing it's not like and in and, and, and Chicago it's not like oh that. and you the
0: cops just... would
1: be called the cops would be called like like if somebody punches out a window i've been at bars where i was at a bar where the owner punched out all his windows one time I and mean, you know customers just acted like nothing was happening Bad. you know
0: <laughs> yeah there's too much there's too much uh, like uh, everyone's no no one's drinking everyone's a little uh, cautious about what people see what they say around people and the cop, mm-hmm. I like. There's a helicopter above my house right now. Like I, there's cops everywhere. There's cops listening to this. Yeah, it, it's nonstop.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I feel like it's up to us to change this damn city and try to uh, bring bring back. We
1: should open up a Chicago theme bar.
0: Bring a Chicago back some theme old,
2: yeah. That bring back some old values. To yeah,
0: this town, right, you Yeah, know? yeah. CJ, we can stage a fist fight or something just to get people started. Yeah, you know, just get them more. Reckless. Well
2: call, the, we'll call the place Reckless, and uh,
0: we'll... I'm all in. <laughs> Sell some nostalgia. Yeah, I've never, I've never been shoved by an off-duty cop in LA. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. I, I got shoved by an off-duty cop in Chicago one time because he he came into a bar holding a, 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 a foot mat like a for his car that had the White Sox logo on it. And he's like, he's already drunk getting into the bar. He's like, how fucking cool is this? He's like bragging about the footrest on his car. Right, right, right. Uh, I'm I'm from Kansas City. I'm a Royals fan. I'm like, I don't give a shit. I don't like the White Sox. And he shoves me and like a sloppy drunk shoves me (laughs) into a high top table. Like we all go spilling down. (laughs) <laughs> so that doesn't happen here. We don't get we, we don't get the tall tales no. You know, we don't get that. <laughs> no, no. He would,
2: he would just tell he'd probably if you said you are an angel fan just arrest. you yeah. <laughs> If that
0: would happen. <laughs> All
2: right, Joe. Well, thanks for joining us on the yeah, uh Thank you so much. on the podcast today and reliving some blue lies and now we have now we have a purpose here in LA. We're going to uh, bring, open up a nostalgic reckless bar and create some, and create some jackassery going on. Uh, what do you got
0: going on? Before do going we do on? that,
1: though, yeah, that's what I was going to ask as well. Uh, how can our listeners um, follow
0: you? Twitter, it's Joe McAdam, and then I do uh, like a sketch comedy group called Butt B U T T. On Twitter, it's Butt Guys.
2: Butt Check Guys. I, did, I was looking at. Some <laughs> yeah, of and stuff. I love the. Uh,
0: I love you guys'
1: uh, animations. Oh, thank I, you. I like all the shorts. Yeah. but but. Uh, the stick figure well the quasi stick figure animations always really on looking, the ground just really shitty looking
0: just garbage looking uh, cartoons. They're hilarious yeah. though. It's so funny. Yeah, but they're very funny. <laughs> yeah. They're very funny.
2: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right, Joe, thanks for joining yeah, take us. Buddy. Yep.
1: And we're back at The Blackout Diaries. Uh, that was Joe McAdam, here with CJ Sullivan, I'm Sean Bear <laughs> Flannery, and we are talking liars. Talking good liars <laughs> on the podcast. I love that part. Dan we're, Blue, who we were talking about, is uh, you know, he's up to the uh, the great bar in the sky where yeah. there are no fact checkers. Mm-hmm. Um, but what were you gonna say? You love?
2: I was just saying when we were talking about we were just talking about when they I, that uh, cross and say lines. I just want to shake your hand like this. Really oh yeah, the isn't that thing, the best? You know, yeah, that because that's a consent liars dude. Like what ha- Like what happened? Like dad, he said I was tough. You know, like Brett Hull. <laughs> or, but,
1: yeah, they want you to. They want their lie to end with nobody was yeah. hurt. Absolutely. Every everybody uh, shook hands afterwards, and there were no repercussions.
2: I know. I I I mentioned my dad up top with the Joe Lewis cousin story. One time uh, later on, he he was in a uh, with business. They would do golf, and he was. he got it was like a pro am thing, a golf tournament whatever. His business He okay. you got to play with a pro for a little bit. He got he got, he got and he got I forget who she was, but it was an LPGA player he, in their group, you know. And he okay. and, uh, he gave her a putting tip. <laughs> like during the uh, <laughs> during the round, he said, "Like yeah, Your no. dad, yeah, who was dad, in the
1: financial industry, man,
2: right, right, yeah, no, but but gave you
1: know, a professional golfer,
2: but a good student of the game, you know, had all the subscriptions, is <laughs> well, magazine. And he noticed something in her stroke, he said, and he noticed something and Now they would call that mansplaining, of course, but he told a professional, <laughs> we're like, what you told a professional golfer how to putt, you know, whatever. She, she sent me, and then she like what, like I don't know if she won a tournament or something. But she sent me a letter thanking me afterwards because it helped." It helped her game It took like Took three strokes off At the uh, Doral <laughs> opener Or something like that <laughs> He never showed this letter of course Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. A letter it gave me a call Thank- Thanked me for it. it Said no one ever Noticed that before
1: <laughs> That's awesome <laughs> Oh man Yeah that's what I-, I mean God I love liars
2: Yeah great liars And like we said The no harm No foul liars You know what I mean Like We're doing yeah. it To enhance the story For fun you know, and mm-hmm. um, one of my favorite liars of all time. speaking of sports, of course, when you when you talk about it, is Wilt Chamberlain. And uh,
1: oh my God, hey, I mean, I I'm top ten liar of all time. Yeah. I mean, above Baron Munchauser, above <laughs> yes. um, who is the guy uh, that did the Spartacus original lies, oh, right. Herodes, like mm-hmm. like Chamberlain's above all of them. Yeah,
2: you know? he's he's got he's he's got a black belt in lying, fun lies. <laughs> Of course yeah. he he got famous for it when it, with his book of A View From the Above, A View From Above which I recommend to everyone. It was out of print and it came back. <laughs> I have a paperback version of it. It's a good, nice quick read. <laughs> it's a it's a very breezy read. Um that made headlines of course cuz uh the headline came out about how many women he slept with or something like 20,000. He
1: claimed in the book he claims tw- over 20,000 women Over 20, he slept with in his
2: life. So that was a headline yeah. to sell books. But then when you read I uh, read the book, which you have, a lot of people have and they just know the 20,000 women. You realize that doesn't even make the top ten of lies he says in that book. Like, yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun thing to think about, but it's nowhere near as funny as you know half of the half of the fucking book he says. He claims at one point he beat Bobby Fischer in checkers, which I love. <laughs> During the 70s, uh, you know, chess craze. He has a
1: lot of claims that are kind of like our idea of ungoogleable. Right. He scales it back. Listen, I I know no one will believe that I beat Bobby uh, Fischer in chess. Yes. But neutral
2: game. That's what he says. He goes, I can't beat him in chess. I admit that. You know. (laughs) He's a king. He can't beat me in basketball. It would be a blowout. All right. Fair enough. So his version of a happy medium is checkers. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> Which. Bobby Fisher could never lose a game of checkers <laughs> like, you know? right I, like, like that
2: is not possible he writes the game of board like he writes the boards of like, like books of like, I of mean doesn't boards. he cla- he
1: claims he beat Jim Brown in a foot race yeah, Jim that, Brown foot um, race book too I think
2: who, who yeah. was a who was an Olympic sprinter um he was a great track athlete. Well, I'm not saying he wasn't. Obviously, he was Will Chambers, right? Yeah,
1: obviously, Will Chambers is an amazing athlete. Mm-hmm. You know, but that's what's so funny about liars. Like you don't even Will Chambers doesn't need to exaggerate it. Yeah, anything.
2: that's the whole thing. Like, why are you doing yeah. this? He like he said, speaking of track are like, yeah, you're a great track star, right? All American at Candace. Yep, actually, I uh, I you know broke all the high jump records and I invented the backward the backward style of jumping. Right, like, what the Fosbury Flop? Oh yeah, he took it from me. Like that's. <laughs> <laughs> Which is amazing. Which is amazing because the Fosbury Flop (laughs) is to help people that aren't seven feet tall. I imagine.
1: Yeah. (laughs) You know. I like that. CJ, listen to. I was was just going to say I
2: I like when people claim that they took something that's worldly famous for some person, so they have like a personal vendetta. (laughs) Oh yeah, he saw me do it. Oh yeah, Fosbury, don't don't mention his name in front of me. (laughs) It was a track meet. We're doing all we're all all Big Twelve or all Big Eight Sound Texas.
1: Here is um, some behind-the-scenes s- uh, story mm-hmm. about where that number, the 20,000 number, came up with. Because Wilt's family has also said, oh, God. Yeah. Oh, that was supposed to be a throwaway line, but his his publisher was like, this is how we sell the books. Yes. You know? And he, he Wilt, of course, embraced it. Well, I I'm totally comfortable I, with that direction. I can
2: imagine there's so much, because I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say that Wilt didn't uh, pen to paper, write every word that went down there, you know, and he kind of, he might have just, you know, pontificated. He probably, yeah, he
1: probably gave 17 hours of tapes right. to some, uh, you know, um, fresh out of Harvard English major exactly. who transcribed who's right, all this. Who's, yeah. whose
2: hands are getting tired from writing down all this stuff, like, hold on, hold on, hold on, you yeah. know, go, wait, wait a minute, what did you just say? You know there's been so many, wait, whoa, what was that last line you did? What, what did I say? You said you slept with 20,000 women, did I? Okay, yeah, I, then I did.
1: This is the real story supposedly behind it. Um, According to Rod Rodwig, a contemporary of Wilts, the 20,000 number was created when he and Chamberlain were staying in Chamberlain's penthouse in Honolulu during the mid-1980s. He and Chamberlain stayed at the penthouse for 10 days over the course of which everything everything was recorded on his day timer. Every time that Chamberlain the Rod, I don't know who's daytimer if this is Chamberlain's or Rod's, but mm-hmm. every time Chamberlain went to bed with a different girl, he put a check in his daytimer. Mm-hmm. After those ten days, there were twenty-three checks in the book, which would be a rate <laughs> of two point three women per day. He divided that number in half to be on the conservative side,
2: because right. uh, <laughs> that might have been a hot streak. Who knows?
1: Yeah, well, it's Hawaii. <laughs> you know, like uh, you're probably not getting as much a eh, You know, when you're yes. traveling. Yes, good point. Uh, he then multiplied that number by the number of days he had been alive minus 15 years. <laughs> That's how he got to 20,000. I, lo- I, lo-
2: I love that. Okay, I'll give you first. 15 was for you. You know, you're you're a boy becoming a man, growing up, not yeah. But soon, as, but as soon as you hit 15, hit the ground running. I mean, out of the- <laughs> it's just 2.3, 1.3 a day. Yeah. No awkwardness whatsoever. You went right into it. <laughs> it started, rack- it started <laughs> racking up some numbers. I will say this about Will And I love Will Probably my favorite athlete of all time He's Uh, the best He's the absolute best He would do things that were so crazy That you knew he was committed to the game Speaking of like Hawaii Like he retired one time in his peak Like only his peak athleticism To create and be the CEO and star of like an, a, a beach volleyball league like in San Diego and then he went to Hawaii <laughs> just so he could sleep with these women like all the time. And we were like, what are you Good doing? Good for him. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like I remember out of yeah. college he went, He before he went to college he went and played for the Globetrotters or something or right out of college. When was yeah, he Kansas. did. Like I just wanted to travel the world. They were going to Europe. I'm like, oh, how else I get a European trip, you know? <laughs> but like to go to San Diego and, just, and then invent like a, a, a beach volleyball League, just so he like, well, it's like okay. He, at least he was. He does have the receipts where he was committed to the game. It's not like it, oh, it, yeah. it wasn't just a hobby, you know. And that's what he said.
1: Could you imagine trying to play beach volleyball against <laughs> Wilt Chamberlain? <laughs> 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 I
2: mean,
1: like these are probably all these beach bums who've been playing informally for a few right? years. They're probably all like you know failed soccer players mm-hmm. from a community college and this guy shows up <laughs> that the nba he was so athletic the nba had to change its rules oh the nba you know, changed and- all of
2: its rules goaltending free th- yeah. you you, yeah. you used to be able he used to be able to dunk his free throws like oh you can't do that anymore you have to stay behind the line <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you're going to play him
2: in volleyball <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man what was what, what, so he said he, being Jim Brown, he said he, I, I like the one where he said he drove across country averaging 180 miles an hour. It was like in the 70s <laughs> or something like that, like where those cars didn't even go that like, Can you imagine Will Chamberlain flying behind you, going 200 miles an hour, like in a convertible? That's what he said. He was in a convertible because there's no roofs, couldn't hold his head. <laughs>
1: i love that i would like to you know i have him pictured like with a flowing scarf you know yeah, that's right. like <laughs> yeah going, the racing as he, as scarf he, and as goggles he flies by yeah. you yeah <laughs>
2: <laughs> the twenty thousand, real quick is a funny stat too because like they like i can see that the family's like oh god it was a throwaway line whatever and what they came up with that's like one of those numbers um when you when you hear it you, you know obviously it's a huge number you can't believe it, but then you start doing the math behind it like wait a minute like How's this even possible? Then you're check then you're checking about like what you- what he was doing in his life. You just just of of like time spent awake. You were playing basketball for these certain nights like, <laughs> in games and stuff cuz was- so then you had to go with like yeah, yeah, I would fly girls in at halftime, sometimes two at time at halftime. <laughs> and like to- and like teammates were like, ah, "I don't know. If that's that's what he said, whatever." Well, it's funny. I don't know. You know. So <laughs> <It's a> thing. <laughs> I take it to, like, it's kind of like when you hear those old baseball stats. You're like, how are these numbers even fucking, like, possible? Like, when you hear, like, Cy Young has 500 wins. Like, that's what? That's yeah. 30, <laughs> 20 win seasons. What are you talking about? Like, well, how's this even – what happened back then? What did they count as wins? <laughs>
1: oh, man. That's so great. Um, yeah, I – don't. you know – None of this would be possible anymore. No,
2: um, you can't You can't do that anymore.
1: The record keeping's too good. Um, actually, you know, what's funny is speaking in, in Chicago, mm-hmm. speaking of record keeping and um, like you and I love when people make lies and they don't think anything more than I just got to get out of this room. I got to <laughs> tell a lie to get me right. out of the immediate trouble yes. and I'm not going to worry about any long term consequences right. or anything like that. And uh, there's a couple funny stories here about people trying to get out of legal or job trouble here mm-hmm. by lying. yep, CJ. And, um the first one, let, let the first one is out of Boston. This is a police officer who lost his job. Because he covered for a friend who was running late for work, and he made a fake police report for him.
2: But all these all these lying cop stories, like the, the, the like the charming ones, are always in Boston. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's always got like, a they always got a cop buddy who's trying to pull some like shenanigans, <laughs> like who will help yeah. you out, like right, like you're moving along. We we'll always get caught the same way. So that's, yeah. that's, that's that's always like those, it's it's pretty great. Uh, yeah.
1: A Boston police officer broke state law by creating a phony criminal complaint for his best friend's brother. (laughs) The Massachusetts State Ethics Commission announced on Wednesday. You know he's livid that it's not even his best friend, but his fuck-up brother, you know? (laughs) Um, So he... uh, There was a friend Mm -hmm. who... Uh, is a bus driver for the MBTA, for the Boston... Um,
2: Public Transit. Uh, transit
1: yeah. Authority. So, yeah. All right. His friend's brother at the time was an MBTA bus driver under a, quote, last chance agreement, okay. which means he would be fired for violating the MT- MBTA's attendance policy. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Fearing he so he's already been written up for this. Uh, fearing he would lose his job after oversleeping and missing his shift on July fourth, two thousand sixteen. So he's drinking for the fourth of July. Mm, yeah. The bus driver decided to explain his absence by falsely claiming he was arrested.
2: <laughs> I like I like to go with that nuclear option right there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't want to injure the myself like police- it's either yeah. hospital or arrest. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean imagine saying my boss would rather hear I was arrested right. than um
2: <laughs> yeah, than of some fake doctor's note. <laughs>
1: Jesus Christ. He actually said he beat up a woman. The fake police report showed that the bus driver was arrested in Brighton for assault and battery. The applicant listed a fictitious police officer's name and a female victim's name on the incident address. So this guy said he beat up a, falsely said he beat up a woman. That
2: was the the cop getting back at him. All right. You want to want something Me write you up with something? (laughs) Oh, I'll say you did a crime. <laughs> we're going to put the policy on your boss. See what they do with this. That is amazing. Well, what do you – he probably is go, yeah, what am I going to say, embezzlement? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the are going
1: This is great. The, MB, the MBTA – this is how they found out about uh-huh. it. The MBTA officials did an investigation mm-hmm. where they learned there were no criminal charges filed, and then the bus driver admitted he had overslept and made the whole thing up, <laughs> which uh, led to their – I, I love the MBTA doing an investigation – not to see if this guy is a wife beater.
2: Yeah, <laughs> but I know, right? Does, does well, he
1: have a valid excuse for being late?
2: <laughs> oh my god! So he wrote the name of a woman down. I, I imagine so. They, they investigated her,
1: but it's a fake woman, ah, so that I you see. know, I yeah.
2: See. All right. That's interesting. Um, you were telling me earlier about the uh, there was a study of what that drunks drunks don't lie really any more or, or the science of the science of lying when you're Th- drunk.
1: There's a big belief that drunks um, tell well, that when you, bec- that a, like a drunk man's words are a sober man's thoughts, right. you know, there's a big belief that you, you're truthful when you're yes. um, drunk and they've done multiple studies on this and they've all shown that's false mm. that you are. You you don't lie any more or less regularly. And there was uh, a recent study. This is um, printed in the Oxford Academic. And this one's kind of interesting because another reason why some scientists thought that maybe you lie less often when you're drunk is because they believed that lying is a harder mental calculation to do Mm. than telling the truth. And that was part of this study. So like, what this study looked into is we know that being drunk makes you lose your inhibitions, which maybe could make you lie more often. But we also know drinking slows down your brain, so maybe you won't lie as often. And this study said, nope, doesn't matter. They seem to be just as good at lying when they're drunk. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> well that's interesting. Um, yeah,
1: but but they do say you don't actually lie any more often right. when you're drunk. It's just sometimes your lies are
2: more irrational. I believe that. Right. They get they get away from you. That's how that happens yeah. when you're drinking. They get yeah. la- they get louder. That's for sure. So so much so where you, you where people notice them and you can't scale them back and you just say, all right, I guess I just have to go with it. Normally, normally yeah. you say, like, oh, well, let me correct myself. There's none of that when you're drunk. You know, yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, I might have misspoke there. There's none of that. You're like, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs>
0: <It's->
2: <laughs> You're famous for that where you don't do you don't remember you don't remember what you said and what said back to you. I- who said that? I said that. Well, it must be true. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
1: I mean, I must have had a reason to say right? it, right?
2: <laughs> someone someone wants to put me there. I believe I'm sure I am and I'm sure I believed It's a good term, too. <laughs> I'm sure I believed it at the time. I don't recall this, but I'll just go by your word. Now we're going on your faith.
1: <laughs> um um. What were you gonna say?
2: I was just gonna say I was gonna wrap up with this other cop story since we're talking about those cop lies. Um, this, oh yeah, this is a great uh, one. Of Chicago cops. Um, mm-hmm. Who would? Uh, this
1: is recent. This just made the news recently in yes. the city. A uh, Chicago cop got out of forty-four tickets I by saying over and over that his girlfriend stole his car. I
2: give it. <laughs> so he would get the ticket, and uh,
1: yeah, from red light cameras or speeding cameras. Right. So they're automatic. You know, Obviously, this guy has been probably driving like an asshole his whole life, and we didn't have automated ticket enforcement, so he'd probably get pulled over by a cop. They'd see he's another cop, Mm -hmm. let him leave. But now these automated machines don't know when he's not in a patrol vehicle that he's not a cop or that he is a cop, so they ticket him.
2: But he knows the system. He can just go to court. Mm Write the report as soon as it happens. He writes the reports. There was it was stolen. He reports his car stolen, that his girlfriend took it after a fight, whatever. And he knows that court day he'll just say, Your Honor, here's the evidence, and bang, he gets out. And this happened 44 times. You said (laughs) 44 times. (laughs) This is what he usually says. Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: They've pulled the tapes, and Mm -hmm. and, and, like the tapes are hilarious of him talking to the judge. Here's one quote. Well, that morning I broke up with my girlfriend and she mm-hmm. stole my car. Yeah. Yep, I broke up with my girlfriend. That was uh, in January. In August, yeah. he's talking yeah. to the same judge. Yep, yeah. I broke up with my girlfriend earlier that morning. We had a knockdown, drag out fight <laughs> verbally, <laughs> and she took my car without my knowledge.
2: I do love like this is just with the Boston cop story like the domestic abuse yeah. is just something they throw with throwaway lines to make it believable. <laughs> All right, we got to make this believable. So you know, knock down, drag out. She got me with a few shots, and I'm not afraid to say, Your Honor, I got her a few times. <laughs> <laughs> he was driving around. Uh, they're they're showing it- a map of this thing of what he did and in his incident. So he's driving around a city, you know. Yeah. With like with the confidence of knowing he's gonna get out of any ticket he wants, you know. So yeah. he's driving around aggressively. It's like Grand Theft Auto. It's like a video game. Like just absolutely unnecessarily <laughs> reckless. Almost like the scene when Bill Murray. Yeah, they grab have hugs. the video. And yeah.
1: He- yeah, they have the video and when when you look at these videos of how he drives through <laughs> Chicago, you actually think you're going to see police cars chasing him. It's so <laughs> reckless. You're right. like, "Oh, that guy's <laughs> fleeing from something."
2: <laughs> yeah, it's like he's doing a cannonball run style. Like He's doing an absolute And that's just race. how he
1: does his errands. That's how he drives around yeah. the city. I was going to
2: say, it's kind of like Bill Murray and Groundhog Day when he knows, like, listen, I can die. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm going to wake up. And he's he driving on the railroad tracks. He's driving through just like <laughs> wherever he was, wherever angle he wants to go. <laughs> It's kind of a fun way to go through to see. I can see. I can see why he did this. <laughs> yeah, it's just that's just him picking up laundry, just flying like parking up on the curb, smashing through and and, and smacking parked cars on the street like fucking crazy tax. Crazy Taxi was an old video game in our in our day that, uh, <laughs> that he would do that for. <laughs> that's incredible. Um, and finally, he got caught, and like I think the most damning evidence. Is when his own police force turned on him and said, yeah, this guy (laughs) And said, yeah, this guy.
1: It's always funny when these guys come out because it's like it's not like this is like a one time thing. And they're otherwise by the book, Mm -hmm. you know. So it turns out this guy has almost 100 citizen complaints against him.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no shit. No shit. This guy's a (laughs) sociopath.
1: (laughs) And the police force has found uh, almost a third of those to have merit. Now, Mm -hmm. normally uh, this is all from block post block club chicago normally it says the police force believes that 96 percent of citizens colla- complaints are false
2: okay. so <laughs> normally they
1: similarly reject right. everything but they're they're accepting one out of three for this guy that's and a high number the quote yeah. is yeah <laughs> creve's conduct as a cop stands out in yet another way even other cops complain about him
2: the <laughs> in the most glaring <laughs> side of guilt yeah <laughs> A piece of evidence. Even cops think he's guilty.
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah, this guy's amazing, Um, and these lies are hilarious. How did
2: he not have the same judge every time? That must be. He hasn't been rolling the dice with that too, because like even a a judge you think would recognize him at one point. And did these things get thrown out? Yeah,
1: I was surprised by that too. Is it just that much Mm -hmm. of a um, assembly line that they're like, okay, next case?
2: Yeah, and you're right. And they play those audio recordings in court, you know, and stuff like that. And you hear this judge like, "Well, there it is. The girlfriend stole it. What yeah. can what can he do? Why is this even in front? Why is this case <laughs> is in am- front of me?"
1: I don't know how many of our listeners have actually had to go to court, mm-hmm. but it's so much different than what they show you. In TV, like you think like some sort of Southern lawyer is going to give a big impassioned <laughs> yeah. speech and there's going to be like, I'll allow it. You, know, right. and you think there's going to be like this give and take and yeah. everything. There's a jury. And you get up in front themselves. of this guy and it's over in three seconds. Yeah, I wanna... It's over <laughs> in three seconds.
2: I want to see you in my quarters. No, it's a fucking it's an absolute shit. Show. It's like a flea market in there. It's an absolute shit show. There's five papers piled up everywhere they're like how do we get out of here oh 17 more before lunch
1: <laughs> yeah I uh I fought a red light ticket mm-hmm. and I uh like I I looked at the video of me supposedly running this red light yeah. and I was like I you know I I think I came to a stop right. like it, it was borderline enough that I'm like I'll go fight it you know yeah and it's me it's Four hundred people that were caught by the same camera. <laughs> they do it on one day yeah. in like basically this assembly line, right. and they call you up in waves. Like you, go, it's almost like you're about to bat. Mm-hmm. Like like you're like you're you're on deck. You're uh you're in the hole. Like <laughs> you know you're yes. here. Yeah yeah yeah. And you go in front of the judge, and I'm like getting ready to introduce myself and like present my case. And the way you even go in front of the judge, you know, like like a bailiff just basically directs you, like and and sort of puts you. Like it's almost like you're getting lighting or something, mm-hmm. probably for the camera. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "No, this is where you're, sir. Don't go right, right here." Yeah. And before I could say anything, he looks at it. He goes, "Dismissed," <laughs> and I just leave. <laughs> I, like I never even opened up.
2: I think it was <laughs> there, there wasn't like right. I was just gonna say, people... he didn't
1: even say like try to come to a, a more complete stop next time yeah. or something. You know, he was just like, get the fuck out of here.
2: And I think that's what people rely on when I say, I'm gonna fight this ticket. It's not that if they're, even if they're yeah. innocent or not. It's just that like I'm I'm gonna I going to put my chips in the corner of you guys just being having a chaotic business day, like yes. get there and having no, you know, and just wanting to get the situation out of their hair. And like I feel like people won't show up or whatever, you know, whatever it is. Like I just think you guys are such a mess that you throw me in there just that that's how it'll, you know that's how we'll win that's why he is like yeah make sure that there's 400 of these things they're all you're all innocent that's not the whole that's the point <laughs>
1: <laughs> there was the the guy in front of me um w- he didn't know there was a red light camera there and he was caught by it like five times mm-hmm. so like first time he's like dismissed and he's like get the hell out of here and he's like well, you know I technically got five more of these. <laughs> you know. Turns He's around, like, turns around,
2: comes right back yeah. in line. Yeah. yeah, he did have to do that. Okay, now <laughs> case number 473, Your Honor. <laughs> <laughs> 473 through 478.
1: It's pretty great. Oh, man. Well, that's um, that's going to do it. Gotta, yeah. Yeah, we probably got to wrap this yeah. up. Yeah. We've, we've given um, it, what we've, do you got going on, CJ? Well,
2: I feel like I should lie now after that, after all these great uh, lies that we get. <laughs> we did that. Um, <laughs> nothing much besides besides about the podcast, the bottom line bombs. You can follow that on where pods are told. I'll be in Salt Lake City in a couple weeks at uh, at Wise Guys. That'll be fun. Uh, be nice time of that, and then I'll try to come through to uh, Chicago again. Other than that, follow me on the socials there: Instagram, Cj Sullivan Was Taken; Twitter at Cj Sullivan underscore. How about you, Sean?
1: Nice. Uh, live show, The Blackout Diaries every Friday night at the Lincoln Lounge, 10 p.m. We've been having really great crowds, uh, which is uh, not always true in the summer. I uh, just met with our Malort rep yesterday, and I have some new Malort and some new prizes to give away uh, at at that live show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will actually uh, – not only can you buy my book, Places I Can't Return To, uh, online at SeanBearFlannery.com or wherever books are sold online – I'm going to be performing a version of that in Cincinnati on Thursday, September 7th at our buddy Bobby Manilli's bookstore. Yes.
2: And then there's going to now, be a
1: book signing. About time. So we're going to have a live time. comedy at Bobby's store.
2: About time. And that idea was birthed on this podcast when we had Bobby yes, Manilly in one of the previous episodes. Happening. and finally that, that, yep. And that's going to be awesome. I remember that happening. It is finally happening.
1: Well, it. it he just finished working on the stage, so we're
2: ready. <laughs> and I'm sure it'll be great. So then you can have him retell a story, hopefully, while you're there.
1: Yep. The, the,
2: the quiet assassin, Bobby Minnelli.
1: <laughs> well, that's great. So if you're in Cincinnati, check that out. Uh, please keep listening to the podcast. Like and subscribe, and leave us a five-star yep. review.
2: tell 50,000 of your friends.